What's up, everybody? My name is Dominic Secura, and you're listening to Actionable Impact, a podcast that answers questions about impact investing and provides investors, entrepreneurs, and everyone else in the finance community with actionable insights to better navigate the sea of opinions, products, and services offered in sustainable and impact investing. My guest today is Dries Corniri, an investment analyst on Asteria's investment management and research team. Dries holds two PhDs, one in business economics and the other in mathematics. Having started his career at ING and De Groef Peter Kam, Dries joined us from SITS Asset Management, where he held the position of quantitative analyst. Dries uses his engineering mindset and coding skills to continuously improve Asteria's investment, portfolio and research models. Dries works closely with our impact and investment committee in order to integrate both views into the investment management process. I wanted to sit down with Dries to explore how data is used in impact investing and to gain a broader understanding of how the growing stream of data can be managed in an effective way. We'll be looking at what data is available and what makes it valuable. In trying to understand how data is used, we will also be exploring how data is sourced and how we are beginning to evaluate and integrate patent data into the investment selection process at Asteria. Hello, Dries. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me in our podcast. How, how are you doing? How has your week been? And what did you get up to? Uh, hi, Dominic. Thanks for having me. I had a very nice week last week because I went on holidays last week. You so, did? Yeah, cool. just back from holidays. Cool. One week of uh, cross-country skiing in uh, Norway. Amazing. So quite cold, but beautiful. Amazing. And very relaxing. Really makes you appreciate the nature huh, of things. Yeah. Huh? You're out in the wild between the snow. Yeah. Hopefully makes you realize what you're fighting for in your job on a daily basis, right? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, it's good to have you back. I'm glad you decided to come back to work after such a week. It was hard, but uh, I enjoy working here. Cool. <laughs> so today I really wanted to speak to you a little bit about the the data side of things. Um, obviously, our some of our listeners may know that we're a quantitative and systematically driven investment manager. Mm -hmm. um, but to some of our listeners, that might not really say a lot. Um, so what I want to really try to get across here today is just to learn a little bit more about what your day-to-day -day work looks like, um, what some of the challenges are that you come across. And ultimately, let's, let's try to dig a little bit deeper on, you know, what this whole story of impact is and what some of the data that is around that is available that exists is and how can you best use that data so could you maybe take me through as a, as a first step what would be the most interesting really is to understand kind of what impact data is and how much of it is out there? How much is available? You know, I know one source is, for example, the companies themselves. They mm -hmm. report, of course, but our philosophy is not to wait until companies report on certain things. 
and to go out there and, and find the data ourselves. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, what data is out there and what isn't out there? That would be very valuable to know. Yeah, I think I'll start my reply by specifying more what impact mm -hmm. is yeah, versus, um, versus ESG mm -hmm. or other things. Yeah. Because the impact side of data should be data that explains um, it should be obviously on the company side huh? yeah it should, it should be... be linked to the negative or positive environmental or social impact yeah. of its business activities itself yeah whereas ESG data is more data related to uh, how a company does its business yeah so it's both company data but the difference is, is in the interpretation of where you use it or how it's been used. Because the ESG side, um, it's a byproduct of its intentionalities. Right. Whereas for impact data, um, it's purely measuring if it's... If it's, if it's the products and technologies that are contributing to solving a, a problem in the world. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And would you say, would you say that in, in trying to go beyond ESG, trying to go a little mm -hmm. bit further, um, it, is that, is that something where, you know, you see a big difference between ESG data and impact data? In what way? I mean, is there, for example, you know, when you're measuring ESG data, mm -hmm. you're relying maybe also on external uh, analysis. So companies out there, consultants that are making their own opinions about mm -hmm. the behavior of companies um, and less so on the actual products and technologies and trying to understand really what those are doing and what problems they are solving. So do you find mm -hmm. that there's more data available on the ESG side as opposed to the impact side? Um, yes, for the moment, mm -hmm. because from my point of view, they measure different questions or they reply to different questions. ESG data is more byproduct. How does a company work? Whereas mm -hmm. on the impact side, you're trying to answer a specific question. Yeah. For example, in a renewable, renewable energy uh, thematic, you have a very specific question, how much renewable energy is generated? Yeah. And there you have a clear cut. Uh, answer from the different power plans yeah. that answer this specific impact question. Whereas on the ESG side, it's more how many tons of CO2 were generated producing this product. Mm -hmm. It's not linked to the business activity or the product itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for some impact thematics, this renewable energy, it's easy to find data that specifically answers your question. Yeah. But for different thematics, I'm thinking of um, more energy efficiency yeah it's already quite hard to come up with a specific measure because mm -hmm. the question you want to answer is how much did we improve efficiency or how much how many tons of co2 do we avoid by creating this product or using this product down in the value chain in mm -hmm. uh, when using other uh, technologies down the line right on right on and there you need to take 
or we take a little different approach to tackle questions like this. We had um, a collaboration with the EPFL mm -hmm. to incorporate input-output tables. These are global descriptions of the economy, roughly speaking, where you see all of the different flows of products and services. Yeah. And mapping this to a company's revenues and its activities, we're mm -hmm. able to integrate the downstream and the upstream and answer questions like how many tons of CO2 does this product save, not only on its own production process, yeah. but the full impact down the line, which might be a lot more important than just saving a few percent on the product itself. Very interesting. So, and this is something that you you developed huh? in in cooperation with um, Lausanne's Technical um, University. Yes. So it's it's unique to to you and not been done before. Um, that's that's very interesting. Can we maybe talk a little bit more about then how you take that model that you've developed and how you integrate it maybe into an investment process, like how how useful is a model like that or how useful can it be in an investment process um a model like this uh, allows you to quantify specifically the impact that you're having which mm -hmm. is quite unique in the industry because it's the opposite of simply constructing a score mm -hmm. that for example esg score or a more rough impact score would you give would give you a score of 80%, but this 80%, what does it mean? Is it, it appears good, but is it good enough? Or what does it translate into? Mm -hmm. Whereas impact measurements, you get a specific number and it, if you get a hundred tons of CO2 avoided, it's a hundred tons of CO2 avoided. And you know, you can quantify if that's good enough or not, because the best company, its savings might not even be good enough. Mm -hmm. and having an absolute quantifiable number allows you to to evaluate and incorporate this into uh, the process. Amazing. Okay, so really then if I imagine if I imagine let me imagine what you've just explained. So having something as quantifiable as this um, ultimately should allow you to render a an, an impact score, right? So tell me a little bit about how impact is, is then measured in this process and what, what is essentially the result of, of the analysis that you do, um, of the quantitative analysis. It's, um, it would be interesting to know because there's a lot of discourse at the moment in the industry um, in terms of how to properly manage impact or even measure it. Um, the common kind of denominator or understanding is that you have, you divide companies or you divide your universe into positive impact companies, neutral impact companies, and negative impact companies, right? But if, if my assumption is correct, um, using your methodology, you should be able to go into a little bit more detail and develop a number that speaks for itself and can be used in an investment process, right? Um, that can be constrained as well in, in a model. Yes, the, this impact measurement framework um, is able to handle large portfolios with a lot of different lines, even 
with a lot of yeah a lot of different line items thousands of them mm -hmm. and look at it as one um look between look at the links between them in terms of uh, value chain and incorporate this into a final portfolio wide uh, impact measurement number right a number a number between yeah and for... one and minus one or how, what does that number look like um i think we're speaking two different approaches okay one you have the impact scoring side mm -hmm. where we are very precise based on a company's intention linked to the business activities and the revenues right so we look at where does the company get its revenues does that link to positive negative neutral impact mm -hmm. and there we can score each company a score between minus one completely negative impact okay or plus one 100 positive impact okay and the whole variety in between uh -huh. so this will give you a lever to tune or to look for companies with high impact medium impact negative impact and use this to construct universe or portfolios. Mm -hmm. And then on top of this, we have um, the impact measurement framework that for any collection of portfolios, positive impact, negative impact uh, mix, then we're able to measure how much exactly in terms of uh, water usage or tons of CO2 avoided mm -hmm. that this portfolio per $1 million invested mm -hmm. actually avoids or um, implies. So really you're, you're speaking of two innovations here, yeah. right? One is the, the scoring mm -hmm. number between one and minus one on the, on the impact um, score, which, which is measured by the, with a revenue based approach. Mm -hmm. Um, and that allows you essentially to screen the universe and select based on your, your preferences of risk or concentration, you can say, look, I want to invest in the top 30 top impacting companies in the world. And, and that your, your scoring allows that you can just simply trim and say, Hey, I want only the companies which have, um, 0 0.9899 that get as close to one as possible. Exactly. That's right. one of the strong aspects of the scoring approach, the systematic yeah. scoring approach yeah. that you score the whole universe, not just starting with companies you would want to invest in and then giving them a score yeah. and using only this subset to build a portfolio. Yeah. So you start as wide as possible, scoring everything you can. Mm -hmm. And from there on, you build your universe, selecting the companies that satisfy your criteria. Mm -hmm. And if you build it up like this, then you're less likely to miss unknown companies, or you might have um, companies that are otherwise overlooked because in a systematic approach, you bring them in automatically. Yes. You don't need to know beforehand that they exist. And this way you get a more diversified or a bigger opportunity set than if you would start in the reverse in the process. That makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. and, and I think I think that obviously it's it's a it's a new approach it's an innovation um but it also only really works with the right amount of data right so you need to you need to have a model that that crunches all of this data um and this and the same goes i think for the then the second innovation that you mentioned 
the actual measuring and doing some also equivalence translations to how much impact is then being generated by the final portfolio. So for, for both of those sides of the coin, you've developed a model, um, but both sides, both innovations rely on data, right? Yes. So can we talk maybe a little bit more about data in the model, how you find it, how you plug it in for lack of a better word, how you plug it into your, your model. Um, and, and ultimately I think it would be valuable to understand a bit how you developed this model going from, um, knowing the two problems that you need to solve the scoring and the measurement in the portfolio, and then figuring out, right, which data can we use to achieve that goal? That would be interesting to learn a bit more how, how that process looked for you when you developed it. Yeah. So for the, they answer different questions, the scoring and the measurement side. Mm -hmm. For the scoring side, you start with the aim of selecting companies that are impactful. Mm -hmm. Then this naturally leads to what is impactful. And for this, you there's a lot of different taxonomies available as a starting point. Mm -hmm. But in the end, we want to uh, give it our own touch and go into more depth than what's available. Mm -hmm. And we link different activities to a whole range of different impact goals. Mm -hmm. and to then define if a company itself is intentionally impact you could link it to where does it get its revenues because it might state that it has a certain aim but then if it gets all of its revenues and profits in a completely different area then you know that this is more talk than doing because it's not where they actually get their money okay yeah so that's one source of data that you can use for a scoring approach because this builds company-wide uh, impact scores, but it's not yet linked to. Um, so I have an impact score of zero nine, but what exactly does it mean? It sounds very impactful, but does it translate into, for example, uh, one gigawatt hour generated mm -hmm. or ten gigawatt hour generated? Big difference. That's a large difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And for this, you need different sources of data to answer the other questions, to answer how, if I have a high score, what exactly is my impact? Right. So to make that leap to understand, yeah. okay, that's, that's an interesting notion. So I assume that there's a variety of data out there that helps you make that leap. Um, and, and I'm assuming partly there's data that you can buy. You can probably link into data sources, pull, pull certain data sets from a variety of databases and, and use that. Right. But sh surely there, you must also have the ability in your team to, to pull or understand new sources of data and, um, make them fit into your model and be analyzed. So yes. how, how does that work? How, for example, how much data do you process from external data providers and how much of your day's work goes into developing your own data sources and, and, you know, coding an approach that, you know, filters data, looks through websites and so on. Can you take me a little bit through how that looks? Yeah. So for, 
some of those impact questions. Uh, we have easily data available from different providers. And then most of the mapping, the cleaning is already done, but you need, still need the quality checks to see that the data we received is actually usable. usable. Yeah. But next to data that we buy or receive, we have a lot of different um, structured and non-structured data sets that we gather ourselves. A few of those are embedded in the ESG scoring methodology. Mm -hmm. The other one is linked to what I mentioned before, this input-output tables for the measurement framework. That's right. Yeah. And currently, we are looking into incorporating patent data into our investment and impact framework. Mm -hmm. And how this works is that um, patent data is completely open source. So you can get large histories um, of it free from the web, mm -hmm. both back in time and across geographical regions. Mm -hmm. But gathering this, they need to be linked to your database with company names to know uh, which patent belongs to which company at what date. Oh yeah, that sounds like a mission. That's a hard first step. Yeah. But once this, in once this is in place, then the fun part of analyzing starts. Yeah. And in usually when we look for data sets, we look for them to answer specific questions that we have in advance, mm -hmm. very much like a pure scientific process. So we have an interesting question. We look for data to answer it. We analyze and we see um, if it if it makes sense or not what we initially thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the pattern data um, is based on the concept that innovation drives uh, future growth. Yeah. yeah. But innovation is very hard to measure. And there we look, we try to use the pattern data to measure innovation or identify disruptive patterns to be very early in identifying future breakthrough technologies, mm -hmm. particularly on in our case, because we're interested in impact investing yeah. in patterns linked to green technology or climate transition. Okay. Interesting. So you, you okay. That's a smart way to do it. You've, you've narrowed the playing field sort of to say so that you you know you're zoning into a solution mm -hmm. um that that's i find that i find that highly highly interesting to to imagine that you know because it's funny because the obvious immediate answer if, if you were to ask a layman on the streets and say how would you measure the innovationness or the innovative capability of a company Mm -hmm. Most would jump immediately to, yeah, well, look at the patents. What's in the pipeline? What are they developing, right? What's yep. the R&D spent on? Um, and you're saying that that alone isn't enough. So being able to simply count how many patents a company has pending, no. great. I'm sure someone's done that already. But as, as far as I understand you correctly, you're going further. Yes. Yeah. Because simply counting the number of patents is not sufficient because it's completely backward looking and it doesn't measure if it's like tiny variations on the same theme where yeah. you can get hundreds of patents on small variations where there's not much disruptiveness. Mm -hmm. It also be filing a lot of patents just to claim them and avoid usage by other firms. Yeah, that's of and then you have yeah. the patents, but you don't intend to use them. So what, just to block another company, really. Yeah. yeah. 
limit competition even. So mm -hmm. essentially what a patent's supposed to do is supposed it's, a, it's supposed to encourage. Yes. But here you have people if, if used the wrong way, mm -hmm. you can also use a patent to block another to block innovation. Yeah. Right. Okay. So from the patent data, in order to measure how innovative a specific pattern is, mm -hmm. there's several possibilities. One of them could be to look at stock market reaction on the patent granting date, because yeah. there's some proof that the stock market actually reacts to a company's future profit or future growth based on this patent. Mm -hmm. But it gives some difficulties because you can't use it um, for IPOs, for example, because there's no uh, stock price available publicly. Mm -hmm. Or if a company has multiple patents granted on the same date, then you can't know which of the patents um, gave the reaction. Yeah. So in order to bypass these difficulties, mm -hmm. we can go to an um, NLP approach. Yeah. So a linguistic approach where you have a language model that dissects the pattern itself yeah. and compares it to historic patterns yeah. to see if the language used is disruptive compared to what's already in uh, the database or not. Yeah. And this way, you could try to figure out if it's merely building on previous or if there's really something disruptive that's a break into the current uh, technology. Well done. So that's that's a very efficient way of, of incorporating NLP, if, if I've ever heard no. one, into solving that problem. What what seems most astonishing to me, really, hearing you talk like this, is that your approach sounds very curious. Um, curious in the sense that when you encounter a problem, like, for example, what you just mentioned there, oh, we have a company's stock price reacted on this and this day, but it had five patent announcements on the same day. So instead of just saying, oh, well, I can't solve that, whatever, moving on, mm -hmm. you seem to actually, your mind seems to get curious by that and try to dig a little bit deeper. And then you say, well, I could identify specifically which one with an NLP. And so I think that's really what... Um, what makes you tick, right? That's that's really for 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 the model itself to have come as far as it has and to be where it ha is today. Um, that's thanks to your curiosity, I think. Yeah, curiosity yeah. drives the research questions and the subsequent questions as well, because every answer creates new questions. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and you have a healthy dose to just keep going. I'm just mindful of the time and um, Dries, thank you so much for for taking it at your end um, this time to to speak to me about um, about the uh, the model, how it developed and a little bit about your process. And um, I think maybe if um, if you're up for it in a few months time, I'd love to do another session on specifically the the uh, maybe the patent data um, or perhaps you'll be incorporating or attempting to co incorporate <laughs> a new data source into the model. And so we'll see where we are at that. And yeah, at this point, just thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. Time flies. I'm uh, happy to come back to explore different topics or go into more depth on some of these questions. Fantastic. And to all our listeners out there, thank you for joining us. And uh, we look forward to having you in another episode of Actionable Impact.
And uh, yeah, thanks for adding us to your uh, weekly podcast rotation. That would be great. And I wish you all the best. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.